So we're talking today about God's kingdom. What is it? Where is it? This is uh, an interesting concept, especially, again, in a culture that doesn't talk a whole lot about kingdoms. But over and over again, Jesus, in his teachings, he talks about the kingdom of God. You're going to see some, some writings on the screen today in red letters. Those just indicate those are words spoken by Jesus. The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? One of my favorite professors, Scott McKnight, he had this, has an incredible book called Kingdom Conspiracy. And in it, he notes that there are five elements to a biblical use of the word kingdom. People have different interpretation, like we're doing this kingdom thing, this kingdom thing. This is what he says. He says a kingdom has a king, number one, a king, kind of makes sense. Can't have a kingdom without a king or queen, who rules both by way of redemption and governing, and this king rules over a people. Say people. This is really important. Rules over a people through the revelation of the law, Torah, teachings of Jesus. We might, we might call this the law. Every kingdom has rules and regulations. And this king rules in a land. All five of these elements are needed to speak biblically about kingdom. And all five are needed to be a kingdom mission church. So many reduce kingdom. They'll talk about kingdom as one or two of these things, but all of them are needed. Kingdom is ultimately, though, a people, and that people is Israel expanded the church. We don't have time to go through the, the whole thing, although I'll give you a brief picture of history later in, in our message today. But God chose a people, the people of Israel, and gave them a land and placed them in a land and, and said he would rule and reign, and he gave them different kings because they insisted on kings, even though God himself wanted to be king. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he expands the kingdom from just the Jews to include the Gentiles, to graft in Gentile believers as part of God's kingdom. I'm so grateful for that. And so when we talk about kingdom, we're talking about the people of God that live in, in, under the rule and the reign of God, under the law and the teachings of God that submit and obey to him. Jesus used the word kingdom over a hundred times. To a first century Jew, the kingdom always meant Israel. Whenever Jesus said kingdom, all of his listeners knew exactly what he was talking about. He meant Israel. And again, it's been expanded since because of what Jesus did, his death and resurrection. So to us, when you th hear the word kingdom, think about the church, capital C church, all the people ruling and reigning under the lordship of Jesus. It's more than salvation. It's about us, who we are, and what we do under the lordship of Christ. And perhaps the greatest challenge with this word kingdom, and I know you've experienced it if you're a follower of Jesus, it's that the kingdom is now and it's not yet. It's now and it's not yet. We can experience the kingdom now, but in part. We have moments where we experience the kingdom, but we haven't completely experienced the kingdom. So oftentimes people will talk about the rule and reign of Christ, and it's like, have you read the newspaper on the days that they publish it? Like, have you seen what's going on? In our, there is no, you say Jesus is on the throne. If God is really in control, then why is all this stuff happening? It's because the kingdom is now, but it's also not yet. It's not fully realized. In the first chapter of Mark's gospel, or good news, the biography of Jesus, he says the time, Jesus says, again, red letters, Jesus speaking, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. 
The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So Jesus is saying, like, it's here. And part of the reason that Jesus could say this is because he's the king. He says, the king is here. I'm here. The kingdom is being initiated. All that stuff you've been waiting for, I'm here. And my first visit to your planet is going to change everything. But not completely. Because he left and said he's coming back. We'll get there. The kingdom of God, though, was present as Jesus comes on the scene. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. You're already experiencing a taste of the kingdom. And if you think about it, if you've ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the elements of the kingdom, the, the signs of the kingdom were present wherever Jesus went. The lame were walking. The blind had sight. The deaf could hear. In some cases, even the dead were raised to life. Does that sound like a normal world to you? Does it sound like the kingdom of God to you? See, the rule of reign was being established. Humanity got a taste of what is to come when the kingdom will be fully realized. It's the now and the not yet. The entire book of Acts, by the way, is all about signs of the kingdom. Movement and activity of God where heaven comes down and kisses earth, where God's kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And family, those days are not over. The rule and reign of Jesus is still breaking forth today. Some will tell you that miracles are dead, that there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. We just, the, the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. So we just need to study until our brains explode with no power, no joy, no peace, no satisfaction, no life. And I'm here to tell you that is from the pit of hell. We are here to experience the fullness of God's presence and his power on earth as it is in heaven. And while it's not a constant, ongoing, moment-by-moment -moment thing, because we're in a battle, there are beautiful moments where heaven kisses earth. And we need to seek those moments. We need to pray for those moments. We need to seek first for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is where God is present, and hell is where God is absent. Now, I know some of you have been told all sorts of things about pitchforks and, and, uh, and uh, maybe images of harps and clouds and, you know, heaven and hell. And Dante's Inferno has actually informed us far more than the scriptures for many of us about heaven and hell. I just want to keep it really simple. Heaven is where God is present. Hell is where God is absent. It's interesting often, how often people talk about heaven and hell, even though heaven and hell are never spoken together in the Bible. Heaven and earth are spoken together, and we're, talking about, talk, we're told about a, a new heavens and a new earth. But we always seem to pit heaven and hell against each other, and I suppose they are, we could probably call them opposites. But all you need to know about heaven is that's where God is. Whenever the word heaven appears, that's God's presence is breaking forth. 
By the way, we see, see people who have rejected God in, in this world, and we see people who have chosen to embrace and follow Jesus. Unfortunately, someday, those that have rejected God are going to be in for a very rude awakening. And family, I hope that's not you. I hope each of you have chosen to follow, to be in the presence of God, to seek to know and love and serve Jesus. C.S. Lewis, Lewis famously said, all that are in hell, choose it. Keep God out of your life now and he'll honor that decision for eternity. It's your choice. God doesn't send anyone to hell. We all choose to be with God or absent from God. It's really our choice. But let's shift toward heaven for a moment. The spaces where God is present or particularly visible. See, when Jesus said, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he's saying to welcome God, to submit to the Lord, to live under the rule and reign of King Jesus, and to seek those moments where heaven comes to earth. Family, again, this still happens today. I've seen the sick healed. I've seen marriages transformed. I've seen people that are hopeless experience joy and peace. My God is still alive. If it weren't for such God things, there's no way I could be here. If there is no power of the Holy Spirit, if there's no hope, not only after death, but in this life, if there's no King Jesus in this life, I just as soon quit my job and go wear some brown shorts and drive a, a truck around town or something. I've had those thoughts even on some particularly bad days. But anyhow, Colossians, Nathaniel read this verse earlier. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. It's great news. And by the way, since I told you red is Jesus' words, that's my mistake. It's actually supposed to be in black. But Jesus has done this. He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of King Jesus. What an exchange. What a change. The kingdom of God includes salvation, but it's so much more than just praying a prayer. It's the ultimate alternative lifestyle. As I said earlier, unfortunately, so many so-called Christians live these boring, dull lives just waiting to die. Just waiting to die so I go to heaven. And Jesus said, don't wait, don't wait until you die. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly now. I've called you on a mission to seek and save the lost. I've given you my Holy Spirit so that your life can be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Could the world use a little more of that these days? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, some have taken it to the other extreme, and they've, they've created these phony encounters with God where everything is a miracle and everything is supernatural, and, and you just have these wild, wild extremes with some really, really drastic downers afterward. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about like this. But kingdom people 
should be experienced, seeking and experiencing the kingdom of God, but we're not going to fully experience it in this life on this earth, but we will someday in the next life on the new earth. It's going to be a great day. The kingdom of God is now, and it's not yet. Personally, I want more of God. I desperately want more of God in my life. There's a, a song back from, I think it was the 70s, and it says, more love, more power, more of you in my life. Is that your prayer today? Fam, I can tell you it's my prayer. I, I, I need so much more of God in my life. I, I need more of his power, not so that I can manipulate anything, but, but so that I can be a blessing to others. I need more of his love. My love, my human love only goes so far. I need that supernatural love to be able to be loving toward others, my family, my friends, even my enemies. Late Dallas Willard said, discipleship is learning how to live in heaven before you die. I love that. Discipleship is learning how to live in heaven before you die. Heaven is where God is. Is God on our planet? Is God in our world? Does God live by the Holy Spirit inside of you? If so, heaven is in your heart. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you're God. But heaven is in your heart. The, the power of God lives within every believer through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you've been, been taught to just tolerate life, but Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. That's a promise. He'll give you everything that you need. That may not be everything that you wanted Santa to bring you for Christmas. It may not be to be happy, happy, happy all the time, but he will give you everything you need if you seek the kingdom of God above all else. In doing so, we will be doing life with God, living in the kingdom of God, experiencing the joy and the fruit of, of godly choices, and knowing the abundant life that Jesus promised his followers. Again, it doesn't mean that life's going to be always easy. It doesn't mean you're never going to Break your foot and need surgery next Thursday as my wife has experienced. Please, your prayers are appreciated. But it does mean that we can have an internal peace, an internal joy, a satisfaction that the world can never offer no matter how much money, sex, and power you throw at it. If we're really honest, the problem is not God, it's us. I mean, I read a passage like that to seek first his kingdom and Quite honestly, there are moments where I seek first my kingdom. I know I'm probably the only one here, but oftentimes I want it my way instead of God's way. And how often do I regret those decisions, those choices, those attitudes? I think God is simply saying, my way is best. Daddy knows best. Just seek my kingdom. Follow me, and you'll be amazed. I will give you everything that you need. But my pride gets in the way, my selfishness gets in the way. Then I have to confess and repent and say, you're right. You're right. All the problems in our world are the results of sin, ours or someone else's. People seeking their kingdom instead of 
God's kingdom. So Jesus taught us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I said the kingdom of God is now and it's not yet. We experience the rule and reign of God from time to time, but the earth is not fully submitted to the lordship of King Jesus, which is pretty obvious anytime you see the news. Dr. Luke records this, this story. He says the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. They thought, oh, the key, Jesus is here. The kingdom is here. It's going to be perfectly manifest. Again, we experience moments of the kingdom now, but someday it's going to be far better, far different. John records this. He says, I, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. This is a future, a future picture. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Anyone looking forward to this day? That's what we have to look forward to, family. It's going to be a marvelous day and it is coming and it's coming soon and I know 2,000 years doesn't seem like soon. Remember that scripture, a day is like 1,000 years? I guess in God's eyes, it's only been two days he's been gone. That's not literal math, but. But this is what's coming. This is what we have to look forward to. And someday, every man, woman, and child is going to stand before God, and he's going to say, give an account for your life. How did you live your life? Did you seek first my kingdom? Enter into my rest. Welcome home. Or did you do it your own way? Left me out of the picture. I can honor that. I can honor that decision for eternity. We are called to be light in our dark world. We're on a mission from God to participate in his kingdom work, his kingdom activity, breaking forth re the renewal of all things, restoring God's masterpieces. The church is to offer a sneak preview of the kingdom of God to a lost world. We're not to be known for our rules, our politics, our condemnation, our judgment, but rather our joy, our love, and our peace. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is God in action. Have any of you seen God in action? Have any, you ever seen God at work? Someone, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, uh, they said it was, a, they told this story, they said it was a God wink. A God wink. I've often used the phrase, that was a God thing, a, a God moment, a moment that you just can't explain any other way except you experience a miracle. You experience something so cool, so amazing, so far beyond a coincidence, and you just pause and you say, thanks, Lord, that was so cool. So to put things in historical context, many have viewed all of history as a play. And I've, I've talked about this before. Some of you have heard me mention this. And there are a few different versions of it. Uh, this one I was taken from, some, from an outline for the 40 Days of Prayer by one of our Christian Missionary Alliance people. You know, if, if, you're, if you've ever seen a play, you know that there are often different acts. And each act is distinct, but they follow like the same storyline. So if you're watching a, a, maybe a Shakespeare play, it's unlikely that LeBron James is going to just show up in act three or four. I mean, it doesn't kind of quite fit with 
Shakespeare. If you're watching a play about the Civil War, you're probably not going to see Martians, you know, in Act 6 or something because Martians and, and the Civil War don't really fit together. But God's story, it fits together. In fact, I had a, a beautiful opportunity to share this very story yesterday uh, with, with someone who was asking lots of really neat questions. It was a beautiful conversation I had uh, over uh, at the Stranahan Theater. But Act 1 is creation and the fall. God creates a magnificent world for us to all enjoy, and then sin ruins it. You know, that thing about Adam and Eve and the fruit, and just stay away from the tree, and they eat the fruit, and then everything gets thrown into chaos. Act two is Israel, God's chosen people. He says to Abram, I'm going to make you into a great nation, changes his name to Abraham, and the Jewish people rule. Uh, He guides them through the wilderness for 40 years with Moses. They have a land, a, a place. As I said earlier, anytime the word kingdom is used in the Old Testament and Jesus' reference to it, he's, the understanding then is the people of Israel. The Psalms in the Old Testament record Act 2. Act 3, Jesus brings us into the kingdom. He shows up on the scene. He said the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. He tells parables about the kingdom, explains what life in the kingdom is all about and how beautiful and how wonderful and majestic it is. And then Act 4, the church. That's where we are. It started in Acts 2, and it's been going on for about 2,000 years. We are participating in the kingdom of God. We are part of, we are the people of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit arrives fully in Acts 2, guiding those in the kingdom to become like Jesus and live out God's kingdom on earth now. And we say, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth now as it is in heaven. How many of you want more of God's kingdom of heaven on earth today? The Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 give us a vision of God's kingdom on earth. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is, there it again, there it is again, the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray that God's kingdom is evident in our lives, that people see God in action through us. I pray that our lives are so different, so attractive that people want to join the family. They want to taste the kingdom. They want to follow King Jesus. And then what's ahead is Act 5, completed redemption. This is the reward for following Jesus, the fulfillment of God's kingdom, the new heaven and a new earth. Revelation records this. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Does this excite anybody or just me? But it all begins, family. It begins now. It begins today, this year, this this month, this week. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And my question is, will you submit to King Jesus? 
It's one thing to make Jesus Savior. It's another thing to make him Lord, make him king. You don't talk back to a king. You don't tell a king what to do. You don't say to the king, it's not fair. You don't tell the king, my way or the highway. You submit to the king. You say, yes, it's a joy to honor you. It's a joy to serve you. I submit to you. And in the case of King Jesus, we're submitting to a benevolent king, a king who loves us, a, a king who wants our best interests at heart, a king who's not a power monger, but simply a king who has a perfect vision for the way reality should be, and he invites us to per- participate in that. Will you pray for his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven? Will you submit to the king your time, your talent, your treasures this year? When people pray, they usually tell God what they want and want him to do. But Jesus taught us to pray to seek his kingdom, to seek his will. As the music team comes up, we're going to close with a final song. And as is the case from time to time with closing songs, this is a, a prayer, a dangerous prayer. This isn't just let's sing a song so we can go home and have lunch. This is a get-on-your-knees kind of prayer. This is a I-surrender-all kind of prayer. The title is simply, Take My Life. And when you say to God, take my life, like you can't give him half your life. It's not like the hokey-pokey, you know, put your left elbow in or just, just give him, give him your, your, your baby toe. That's what we like to do sometimes. Well, you can have this, this God, but, but not this area of my life. He's like, I want you all. You can't have two masters. You either submit to King Jesus and you seek his first, his kingdom. You pray for his will to be done. You participate in God's kingdom. We even participate in it in prayer. Or you do your own thing. There can only be one person on the throne. It's you or Jesus. What will it be?